0: Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. You know, uh, this morning I want to share with you uh, what I believe over the next two Sundays is a word from God that I've been hearing almost since the COVID pandemic began. Uh, Way back before it even started, I heard the Lord speak clearly to my heart and say it's time to seek the Lord. And so every week I've set aside some time and just gone to pray, not to pray to get a message, not to pray to, uh, you know, for my needs or even for the church, but just to come before God and say, God, what do you want to say to us? Well, when COVID hit and all of a sudden everything went just all over the place, I began to understand a little bit more about why God had really told me that before it had begun. And since that time, every time I go, I write and and write down the things that I believe God is saying. And the one consistent theme all the way through is I feel like God has been speaking to me about vision and about the importance of it. And even though God often speaks of things opposite to the way that we as humans feel. For instance, Jesus told us that when we are despitefully used, when people take advantage of us and we would feel like push people away, we would feel like leave me alone. Jesus said, when you feel like that, bless those people. How many people know that's complete opposite to the spirit of the world? Matter of fact, the prayer Jesus taught If you want to see the way He thinks, it is the complete opposite to the spirit of the world. Our Father, that's the opposite way that most people think about God. Most people think about God as the judge. Jesus said, let me give you the way we see it. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Not my will, not what's best for me, Not how do I fit into this? What can I get? Jesus says, I've got a different spirit to that. God, I'm coming to ask you for your will to be done. And so it goes on through all of that prayer. Jesus spoke of faith, for instance, in the middle of a storm. And so in a time when so many people around the world are feeling uncertain or anxious, I keep hearing the Holy Spirit say to my heart, big, big, Think big, dream big, believe big, so big and plan big. And I know for some of you, you might be so swamped by whatever's happening in your world, be it physically or emotionally or mentally or in your family or in your job. But can I encourage you for these next few minutes that you turn down the volume on those voices in your life And listen in for the still small voice of the Holy Spirit because I believe that it's not just a word from God to me. I believe it's something that He's saying to us. We had a great prayer gathering here on Thursday night and people joined us online and in the building. And I found at one stage as we were praying in one of our groups that we broke off into, I heard myself declaring that this is the hour of the greatest opportunity that's ever been on the planet for the church. I hadn't thought of it like that, but often as you pray and the Holy Spirit is helping you to pray, you find yourself saying things that otherwise were not a part of your vocabulary. Before that, the phrasing wouldn't have been there. And I hear Him say that, so I wrote it down because I want to remember what He says more than just what I say or think. And I hear Him saying that. I truly believe that this is the hour of the greatest opportunity for the church in my entire lifetime. And I have been through lots of things, been a part of many great things, been a part of revivals where uh, at one point uh, a large portion of an entire nation came to Christ and miracles happened. But I believe that now is the greatest hour for the church. Now it is. Don't get uh, your mind occupied on all that's happening politically or sociologically or culturally or whatever else. Let's dial that down today and let's listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and see what He would say to you about what He wants you to do in the middle of this great season that we're a part of. John chapter 10 and verse 10 I'll read it to you from the message version says this a thief is only there to steal and kill and to destroy Jesus said I came so that they can have real and eternal life more and better life than they ever dreamed of hear it again more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Are there trials? Of course there are. Are there difficulties? Of course they are. Are there problems? Of course there are. We're human after all. And yet in the middle of that, the Holy Spirit wants you to know that the plan of God for your life is for a greater, a more and better life than you have ever even imagined for yourself. The word life there, by the way, is a Greek word called zoe, Z-O-E. And it means literally the God kind of life. And that's not just your spiritual life. So many people limit God to simply the vertical. Well, God is interested in how I do my devotions or my prayer or my worship. And yet God cares about every single area of your life. Let me say to you, if you are joining us online and maybe this is your first time ever in church or you're in the building and it's your first time ever in a church like this, I want you to hear that God has got a plan for all of your life, not just a spiritual life. He's not trying to just get you to heaven as wonderful as that is, as incredible as that is, but He wants to equip you so that you can help change the world and that the prayer of Jesus will come to pass. Lord, let Your will be done on earth. As it is in heaven. And I believe that if he taught us to pray it, therefore it must be possible. So we can see this world change. We can see difference comes. I know that there are so many forces arrayed against the things of God. There is a spirit called the Spirit of the world. But my Bible tells me that the Holy Spirit that indwells the life of a believer, that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. And it's time the church stop thinking about how they can change that out there and say, Holy Spirit, let change come within me and let me be the change that you want to see around about. So Zoe, the God kind of life is your family life. It's certainly a life with God, but it's also your business life. It's your mental life. It's your emotional life. It's every part of your life. Now, we know that the Bible teaches in so many verses that the key to a greater life out there is to have a bigger life in here. My father taught me when I was just a boy, I think I would have been 12. My father was building an extension onto our house. They had moved a whole house onto the block of land that my dad had bought. And so as a part of that, He was building a concrete footing all around the house to hold the extension that he was going to put on it. And so I remember Dad doing that. And as a part of it, he was getting the levels right now. This is pre-laser levels and all that stuff. My father used a long piece of plastic tubing and he put water in it. And then he would say to me, you go around the corner out of sight. He couldn't see me and I couldn't see him, but we could hear each other. And he said, tell me when the water level hits that pencil mark I've put on the post. And so I'm there as a little 12-year-old holding up the piece of plastic pipe and when it got to the right spot, I'd say, that's it, that's it. And my dad would then make a mark all the way around the corner out of my sight. Well, after that, because... I was born curious. I said, Dad, what were we doing? And I've never forgotten his words when I was 12. He said, son, water always finds its own level. And so he was getting a level pre all the satellite technology and all the laser stuff. He was getting a level because water finds its own level. Can I tell you, your life will find the level of what's inside you. Your life will find the level. If you live a small life in here, your outer life will always reflect that. That's why 85% of all people that win a million dollars or more in lotto five years later are worse off. I've seen so many studies and there's documentaries on it. Why? Because their, their outer life rose very suddenly and the inner life never kept up. And as a result of that, eventually the outer life you know, finds the same level in there. Let me tell you this one. This is Ephesians 3. So you know, I'm not just talking about pieces of, of uh, plastic tubing. Ephesians 3.16 says, That God would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man or woman, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. In other words, it's got to, something's got to get strengthened in here so that Christ dwells through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend. My ability to comprehend the great things of God that He has for me is going to depend on how strong my inner life is. That is, we could stop there and give the benediction, and go home and go, that'll be enough for you to chew on for a week. Because it's so important. So many people go, oh, I don't know what God wants. And oh God, I'm not sure. And they pray one thing one minute and pray something else the next minute. Why? Because their inner life's not strong enough to hold on to revelation. What is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So how does someone become bigger in here? How does my inner life? Well, I'm just going to be faithful and I'm going to go to church and I'm just going to try and be good. Listen, all that's great. But of its own, that won't make you bigger. I've met some of the smallest people I've ever met that have been going to church a long time. Huh? Not in this church, of course. That was in that other one. How does one become bigger in here? Now, I spoke three weeks ago on that verse out of Psalm 4 verse one that you all loved. One of the most watched messages. Not. Because it started off Psalm 4 verse one, in my distress, the Lord enlarged me. How many people love that? Oh, thank you God for more problems so I can get bigger. No, No, none of us want that. In my distress now it's true, but thank God that distress or problems are not the only way That I can grow. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 17, and let me remind you of something that you will know, but you probably never thought of. 1 Samuel 17, verse 17, one day Jesse, that's David's dad, said to David, Take this basket of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers, and give these 10 cuts of cheese. To their captain, see how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report of how they are doing. So, David, the boy who's too small to go to battle with his brothers, the boy who's got no better use of his time than to be a grocery delivery guy for dad. Dad says, take down the, the grain for your brothers. And by the way, make sure that their captain, the dude who's given the orders, has really got, you know, he, he, we get him on our side. Take these 10 cuts of cheese to him. huh? And David goes down there, this little kid. huh? This little kid just goes down there. He's singing a little song. off he goes. He's skipping and a dancing down there and he's taking all this stuff. He's delivering bread and cheese. That's it. He never went because the prophet Samuel turned up and, you know, with his big gnarly old prophet hand went, yay! Yay and more yay! 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 Go down there and God's going to give you a great victory. He never went down there like that. He went down there to deliver groceries for goodness sake. The night before he went, no angel stood by his bed and said, Hail, mighty man of valor. The Lord is with you. I don't know why I would do that kind of a weird voice for an angel, but who cares? But all I know is he never had that and he never had a prophetic word or anything like that. When he got in front of Goliath, Goliath never said, forget all the rest of you. I just want David, son of Jesse. David goes down because Dad asked him to. It's just a very ordinary day. But when he gets there, he turns up and he sees a need and is provoked in his heart that somebody, notice he doesn't say it ought to be me, He didn't, there's no point of this story where he says, you know what, the Lord called me and yea, I've always known that this was my destiny. Mm -hmm. None of that. David just turned up and saw a need and said, because he saw the need, somebody. Can I tell you that God is looking for people that will say somebody ought to. God's looking for A church full of people that'll say somebody ought to be part of the answer. Somebody ought to change that. Somebody should fix that. Somebody should help. And David goes down there to do that. And in David's case, he was enlarged by saying yes to a need. Now, lots of you will say, but yes, but... Jeff, David was called of God and he was anointed. Yes, you're very right, he was. But then so are all of you. So am I. I wonder how many of us will get to heaven and we will see that we too were like David, the recipients of the accidental call of God. We weren't trying to be anybody. We weren't trying to solve the problem. We didn't go, yay, and I really know what I'm doing. We weren't overly confident. We just simply saw a need and tried to meet it. We just wanted to do something. It's what I call the accidental call of God. And can I tell you, I have encountered that in people's lives time after time after time. Where somebody not dreaming a great big dream, not motivated by an incredible word from God. It's good if you have it. But just someone who said, here am I. Here am I. Here am I. God, I'm available. I'm here. Tonight I'm speaking on the next service on Enlarged by the Ordinary because I believe that so often it's the ordinary that enlarges us. Let me give you another one. Nehemiah is a young man who also doesn't have any angelic visitation or prophetic word. Matter of fact, if you study the book of Nehemiah, there's not one record of Nehemiah saying, God called me. I was told a visitation, this happened. Let's read it Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 3. These people had come back from Jerusalem and they said to me, The survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates are burned with fire. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. There's no mention in there and the Lord spoke Because, see, I think too many of us are waiting for the detail of our destiny before we start discovering the next step. We're waiting for the Lord to bring clarity before we give our obedience. And yet Nehemiah heard about it, was moved by it, and simply said, God, if You will, I'm available for what you want. The accidental call of God came to Nehemiah. And in both these cases, it was their unconditional yes that triggered the accidental call. I love that verse in Genesis 24, verse 27, where the servant says this, and I being in the way, the Lord led me. Some people are still back at the starting blocks waiting for their name to be called before they'll start the race. Others of us are just going, you know what? I figure if there's a track, I'm meant to run. Amen. I'm meant to go. Now, I'm not saying that the Lord won't lead or the Lord won't guide. I'm sure that He will. But I've discovered that the accidental call only and always follows an unconditional yes. I'm praying today that many of you, hundreds of you, if not more, will give to God today an unconditional yes. Whether that means the spotlight or whether it means you leave the spotlight as Nehemiah did. David stepped into the spotlight. They made songs about him. They sang his name. Nehemiah left the spotlight, he left the palace of the king and went to a broken down city. Both of them had the accidental call of God. One took them to a place of prominence, the other one took them to a a place of anonymity. But then I think about Philip. The Bible says about Philip that when persecution arose, Philip didn't sit there going, God, how come it's not fair? What are you doing? Where's your plan? He found himself in Samaria. And because he was there, this man who had been a a feeder of the widows in the church, uh, dealing with those that were complaining all the time about how little or how much they got, that this young man says, there's no record of him complaining. He says, you know what? I'm here. Let me do what I can. And so he preached. It says that the entire city came to Christ. Think about that a minute. People that had previously been involved with magic because it was a centre of occult activity. That those people, when they came to Christ, they brought all of their paraphernalia of their witchcraft and they made a public bonfire of it. And it was worth a massive amount of money, 20,000 pieces of silver, I think. It was huge. And the public celebration was incredible. And you would want to stay, wouldn't you, like I would, in that place, basking in the success that God and all that He had done. The Bible says, and the Holy Spirit picks him up, says, go down to the road. And he goes down and he stands at an intersection and there's no traffic. And I don't know about you, but I would have been standing there saying, God, what in the heck am I doing here? Why did you send me here? Until finally he sees a bit of dust further down the road. And as it gets closer and closer, one chariot and one man. And the Holy Spirit says, go join yourself to that chariot. And so he does. And it's the Ethiopian eunuch, the one who served as prime minister, personal assistant to Candace, the queen. And as he gets up there, he discovers the man's all reading the book of Isaiah and he explains Christ to him and the man responds and says, well, can I I somehow, can't I be baptised? And Philip says to him, well, if you believe you can, He says, here's water, let's do it now. So they stop the chariot, jump off, go down into the pond, get baptised. And then it says, and the Spirit of the Lord carried him away. I think about stuff like that and go, God, please, let me give you an unconditional yes. I want to see all of my life, no matter how long it may be, for every day and every year and every situation, God, I know that if I give an unconditional yes, there'll be lots of the accidental call of God. There'll be lots of those moments where you go, thank God I said yes and that I was here. I've said it before, but Ethiopia today, at least nominally, is the most Christian country on the face of the earth. 86% of Ethiopia claims to be Christians. All because one man got the accidental call of God. The accidental call of God only follows and always follows an unconditional yes. And I hear the Holy Spirit saying to us, will you give me your yes? Will you just give me your yes? You might go, Jeff, do I have to feel something moving? No, I, I say yes to God every day of my life. And some days I feel overcome and touched and moved and powerful. And other days I just feel so ordinary, it's ridiculous. Some days I feel worthy, some days I feel desperately unworthy, some days I feel like I can and some days I feel like I can't. But I've learned if I'll just keep saying yes to God, He can organise things. You can be in the right place at the right time for who knows who. Whether it's on a plane, as has happened to me many times, sitting with somebody who says, and by the way, tell me about what you do or whether it's somebody in a cafe somewhere or other who says, so tell me about you, or someone at your workplace. If you'll say yes to God, he'll organise the accidental call. I want to pray right now for people that are a part of this service, whoever you are, and by the way, because I know sometimes people are a part of the service long after we've said the final prayer. There was a yes text came in yesterday morning from someone evidently who had just discovered us and was therefore a part of that service and gave their yes to Christ. And so uh, this morning, they will have had sent out to them either the email or the thing on the smartphone that lets them learn, how do I start following Jesus? When I say learn, it's learning like a child learns. It's learning by watching the father and the mum It's learning by watching. It's not information transfer. That's not what it's about. It's about you growing and becoming everything that Christ wants you to be. But I want to pray right now. And if you're online, please join us wherever you are. Stop the kids for a second. Pause for a minute if you're in the building. Just for the next 30 seconds. I want you just quietly, right where you are, to simply say this, Lord, You've got my yes. You've got my yes. I'm saying yes. I, I don't know what you could do. Most of us don't feel anywhere near adequate enough. When I was 19, I remember after years of being around church and trying to find out how to do it. I don't mean church, but do spiritual life. I saw other people, it seemed to know how, but I, I couldn't get it. I just, I couldn't see me in that picture. But I remember at the age of 19, encountering the Holy Spirit. And I never forgot it. I said to him, Lord, you will have everything of Jeff Woodward that there is to have. And if you would ask me what I've tried to do over the last decades, I'd say I've just tried to do that. It's not hard. Just every day, just try and give Him all there is of you. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank You for all the people this morning. I know there's many right now in the building, many that are a part of the service online, Facebook Live, YouTube, whatever. And quietly where they are, they're saying, God, I'm telling you again, even if it's the thousandth time or the first time, Here's my unconditional yes. Lord, I want to live a big life. Not a famous one, but a big one. Not one that's all marked by all the victories that everyone celebrates, but Lord, some of them will be things that only you and I know about, like the Ethiopian eunuch. Only Philip and God knew about that one. But it made an incredible difference. So, God, whether it's known or unknown, famous or not famous at all, celebrated or ignored. Here's my unconditional yes today in Jesus' name. Just give it to God right now, right where you are. Just give it to God. Listen, don't think, well, yeah, but I've done that. I'd go, no, do it again. Did you do it yesterday? Do it today. Lord, here's my unconditional yes. I'm here for you. And Lord, I'm happy if the only place I ever discover the impact of it is when I get to heaven. That's okay. Here's my yes today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let me just talk to those of you just quickly who will say, I haven't started the Christian life. I've always wondered about God. I'm not sure about Him. This church since it started, It's been about one thing, one thing only really, and that's to win the lost and to grow the saved. That's to see people who don't know Christ find Him and then go on the journey of growing. We haven't tried to do anything more clever than that. Just simply going, who are the people that don't know Christ? How do we reach them? Perhaps one of the most well-known verses Across the world out of the Bible is John 3 in verse 16. It says for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life, the Zoe life. Right there in that verse we told everything we need to know about what God's like. For God so loved. That's what he's thinking about you today. That's the way he's responding towards you, wants to bring love to you. For God so loved the world. That's everybody in it. Doesn't matter where you're from, what your colour, what your background, what you've believed before, what you've thought, what you've done, what you haven't done. For God so loved the world. If you're in the world, that's you. That whoever believes in Him will not perish. How does it start? It starts with you saying yes to Christ. As simple as that. Say your yes. Alan said his yes. Right now, I guarantee that all, everything within him is looking back to that moment where he said yes and say, thank God for it. Let me pray with you this morning or whatever time it is when you're a part of this service. You're saying your yes, come on. I know you want to. Father, I pray for those yeses that are coming in right now. People that are going to go to that number or go to that email address, that website, they're going to say yes. And Lord, even if I don't know who they are, You do. And their yes is coming to You. We thank You for it. In Jesus' Name. Amen. As the team comes, because we're going to worship the Lord together again in a minute. If you want to send your yes, if you're in Australia, you can send it to 0488 826 392. If you'd prefer to get the information that we'll send you via email. Then you go to yes.metrochurch.org.au and we'll send it. It fits on one screen of the smartphone, just that big. Every day, a different scripture. Every day, a different prayer. You get that for 30 days. Of course, you can opt out whenever you want. But understand this, it comes from us at this church. There's no third party. No one's getting your data. Nothing like that it comes from us personally, one of our staff does this, make sure it goes out to you every day. We would love to be a part of your journey of following Christ. If you're in the building, you can do that, 488 Or you can go out to the Connect Hub. They'd love to talk to you out there and give you a free Bible. It'd be our joy to do that. In Jesus' name. Amen.